Welcome to the fifth Big Brother Canada 3 recap episode of the UR Team Number podcast. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as ever is the Canadian who can move everywhere fast despite his lack of cheerleading experience, Logan Saunders. Evening. And the Australian who has nothing but his charm to save him, Ben Powell. Howdy. God help us all. Uh, you can tweet us using the hashtag Yattencast or email us at yattencast at gmail.com. And of course, like this video before Logan says it. Dang it, you beat me to it. So uh, I think we all kind of enjoyed the uh, the eviction episode this week. Not just the episode, the entire week. Oh, this is by far the best week we've had, but also the eviction episode was hilarious. This week was my Patronus, ser- seriously. Whoever is on the editing team who put together such like a magnificently crafted, besides the ending, week of Big Brother Canada like deserves, like I don't know, interna- international Emmy? Whatever, whatever award they can get. So, previously, Secret Gamer Bruno won HOH and nominated Sarah, as well as his target Johnny. Uh, at the power of veto, Bruno blasted away the competition to win himself domination for the week. At the ceremony, Bruno got the option to use the double veto from Canada and considered using it to backdoor Zach, but ultimately decided against it. Uh, Zach and Jordan thought that they were under the radar, but they firmly took their place on Bruno's hit list, and Bruno orchestrated Johnny's unanimous eviction, and he became the final member of the first five evictees who competed this week to return. Imagine if there was a second five, or a third five, and then a fourth five all by the end of the season. KFC just bringing back people left and right throughout the throughout the next uh, uh, four or five weeks here. We do not have enough time to do that. Triple eviction night. Yeah, we already need three double evictions, which has never happened. <laughs> what about a final three? Oh, don't even joke about it. We've got far too many people as it is. Then you add in the returnees, so it's basically a 17-person season. So, you know, we're going to be having a, a lot of people be eliminated in the next couple of weeks, I suspect. Because I don't think Garissa mentioned anything about a double eviction next week. No, it's supposed to be just a regular eviction, I think. Which basically means double evictions every week up until the finale after that. Which they're definitely not going to predict. So, start with the HOH, which is the classic Big Brother competition before or after. Arissa will give them two events and they must decide whether the second event happened before or after the first. If they get it right, they stay in. If they get it wrong, they're out. And the last person standing is the new head of household. And where we left it last week was Ashley uh, being the only person eliminated. (laughs) After guessing that Brittany blocked a shot in game set match before Sarah was put on the block. Um, And then everyone started dropping like flies. Uh, So the third question was house guests heard who wants pie before or after the haves earn pie for the week. And everyone was correct with before. I think they go Zach won HOH. Fine, whatever. Sorry for being thorough, Ben. Peely's guess was uh, pretty incredible. Three hours equals 2,600 minutes. Yeah, it was Godfrey, Peely, and Zach who were the final three. I think she probably overthought it and tried to run down the seconds. Zach said 210, Godfrey said 240, and Peely said 2,600. And in his first act as HOH, Zach has to pick four have-nots. And he picks them very fairly. It was probably the most boring pick of have-nots I've ever seen. It's just... Two people volunteer, then two haven't been have-nots before, and that's that. Everyone's happy. So, when Zach won HOH, Jordan celebrated like an idiot and screwed their alliance and made it so not under the radar. It's not like everyone knew we were together already. And we finally have a mention of the diaper alliance as well. Ashley, Jordan, Kevin, Peely, and Zach, apparently. Uh, So, yeah, Jordan volunteered to go on the block alongside uh, Godfrey. Because, you know... According to him, he's running this game. 
and pawns never go home. It's like the classic Brian from Big from Brother 10 scenario where he's he need, probably needs to like get given a dictionary and go to the H's, the H-U, find the word hubris. He was so being set up for the fall this week. If it wasn't intentional, if it was intentional, that was great. But even unintentionally being set up for the fall like that was pretty epic. There was an even more epic return than Cindy this week as well. Rocky the dog returned in, H- in Zach's HOH room. And did you see the sweet mustache in one of the photos? I'm not sure it was Zach or, or somebody else, but there was a pretty awesome mustache in there. I think it might have been his dad. Yeah, so uh, kudos to Zach's pa for the epic prairie mustache. And uh, Zach is worried about having to expose himself. I think between the Wait. videos that have been uh, mentioned... With the live feeds, I think uh, I think that time has passed, considering what's been going on with Zach and Ashley on the feeds. Yeah, th- thinking uh, back a couple of weeks, what about when he asked Jordan whether there was cameras in the have-not room? <laughs> At least that was a bit PG. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Maybe PG for Canada. By the Sunday episode, in real time... Had, like, the veto been mulled over and chosen and stuff? Um, the veto competition was Saturday, I think. The ceremony was Monday. But I think Zach said pretty early on that he wasn't going to use the veto. So basically, the whole, you know, Jordan being... Jordan, like, talking himself, talking himself up and up and up and up was just, like, all sort of unintentional foreshadowing, but still pretty great foreshadowing. I'm not sure when the discussions between Brittany, Sarah... And Cindy happened. But I'd guess maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday. So by Monday's episode, they should have really been able to prepare for it. But I'm not sure about Sunday's episode. I think producers partially manipulated Jordan's exit due to the confrontation that Jordan had with producers last week. According to that, there was a clip on the sideshow where the whole house was punished because Jordan was destroying microphones and then uh, cursing at the producers, supposedly. It was nice to see Jordan finally, or someone finally, get the comeuppance and the house actually be split for once instead of voting with the house. Also, if we're talking about the sideshow, Sarah's stand-up routine last week was amazing. There was way too many zingers that they didn't put in the episode that they probably should have last week, because it wasn't a great week. So, we're up to nominations already, which happened actually only about halfway through Sunday's episode. There's much more important stuff to talk about. Like Cindy redeeming herself. So the shortlist for nominations was Bobby, Bruno, Godfrey and Jordan, and the final nominations were Godfrey and Jordan, and Zach can't see it going wrong. What could possibly go wrong? Bear in mind I wrote that that statement before I knew that Jordan got, that there was even a plan to get Jordan evicted, so <laughs> foreshadowing. And Bruno correctly suspects that Zach will try and backdoor him. Also, I know we love Godfrey, what about his dance when he got nominated? Uh, that's pretty high up there on the... I just got nominated type of dances. So, the most important bit of the episode, the return. In this competition called On the Edge, the first five evictees, Greg, Johnny, Naya, Risha and Cindy, must hang onto ropes as they are lifted up into the air. As time goes by, they must move down to stand on smaller and smaller knots. The last person standing or hanging will return to the house. They made the competition seem a lot like more epic in the promotional stuff than it ended up being. I was hoping it would be like an endurance competition, so one of the actual people we want, we want to see return to their house would win it. I was thinking some sort of like elaborate multi-stage endurance competition somehow, but that ended up being all right, I guess. I mean, it was a bit misleading because 
at the stage of the lot bigger than what they'll end up actually doing. So I liked it more than I thought I was going to because they actually put some effort into making it a, a quite pretty competition, if nothing else. And almost immediately, Greg slipped down to hang on by his groin. And the house guests get to see part of the competition for about a minute. I think what made it so effective was just because it was in the grand, in the grand scheme of things, it was like, obviously a housemate returning is going to be a huge plot development. But with the course of one, what ends up happening during the week, it ends up being a huge plot development because of what Jordan said, and I quote, my showmance is coming back. And we all see how that worked out for him. And also Zach and Jordan cheering for Cindy to come back because she was the best option for them. Oh, that's just, it's it's heartbreaking to all their friends at home, I'm sure, just to see them bury themselves further with confessionals and all the assumptions that Zach and Jordan are making, even though Bruno and Godfrey, even during the, even before the HOH competition this week, they already have their sights set on Zach, and when Zach won HOH, they're already expecting to be uh, backstabbed by Zach. And then Zach and Jordan still think they have control of the house and control of whoever returns. They were screwed, whoever came back, I think, because obviously all the first five had a little discussion about who the biggest target was, and everyone's biggest target was Zach. I think Cindy said Zach, but I thought some of the others said that Willow is the game that they wanted to blow up the most. Greg definitely said Zach. Johnny might have said Zach as well, I think. I think Willow and Zach were the two main targets anyway. And then Willow somehow sneaks by, and we don't even hear from her at all this week. No, I mean, she didn't get electric shocks or anything, did she? So No, she didn't get electric shock and didn't have a seizure while doing a dance on stage, so... In Willow's eyes, that's a that's a good week for her. I do love Bobby screaming at the screen, though, watching the endurance competition, just shouting, no, no, the whole time. Because he knows whoever comes back is probably not going to be his ally. Particularly, the person coming back was somebody that he was HOH when that individual was evicted. Oh, how times change. Sarah was firmly cheering for Neha. And not Johnny, which is you know a betrayal. Yeah, but Neha, I'm, I'm pretty sure even jo- I'm pretty sure even even Johnny himself is strength for Neha to go, get back in. Well, he was when he fell off. Uh, so Johnny was the first to fall, and that looked painful because it was all the way from the top as well. And then Greg is next out. So much for the Zenzu. Yeah, Zenzu baby. <laughs> Zenzu even me. I think it's a, it makes about as much sense as Ginger Ninja. That actually makes sense though. Yeah, the Ginger Ninja does sweat, Canada. Yes, he sweats from his head, shoulders, knees and toes, eyes, ears, mouth and his nose, according to Greg there. And uh, Risha actually calls Neha Slayhar as well. I like how they build up uh, Neha's nickname so much, but yet she's not even returning and she's officially going down this season as being the second contestant uh, out of the game. That's just brutal for her considering how... Highly regarded she was by everybody and the audience. Yeah, but the moment the moment Big Brother Canada has like an All Stars or a Second Chance season, she's coming back with Ica. <laughs> yes, to Ica. Risha was the third to drop, and she was so proud of uh, Neha and Cindy. I can't believe they gave Risha of all people a poll challenge. We were joking about that last week, and that's essentially what we got here. Come on, producers, you're better than that. No, they're not. What they should have done for Risha is just recreated the Survivor Challenge with the poles and the foothold. Which they pretty much did here. So, it's just uh, Neha and Cindy left. And every pageant girl knows you don't show pain on your face. Instead, you wink. And after a little over an hour, they have 
30 seconds to move down to the second knot in their rope. If they fall during the transition, they will be eliminated. And then after 90 minutes, they have to move to the final smallest knot, which Naya falls off during, and Cindy wins. wonder if Neha would have won if they didn't have to do all those extra transfers. I think she probably would, because she she was slipping a lot less than... Uh, that Cindy was. It worked out for the best. Like, I really can't see Neha bringing us the week that Cindy brought us. I have to say, last week I poo-pooed the idea of Cindy coming back. I was disappointed at the prospect because I didn't think she had much left to give. I was wrong. <laughs> she was glorious this week. She was by far the MVP this week. And, you know, it's hilarious. I don't understand why Arissa had to whisper to Cindy once the challenge was over. That was a bit odd. That was an odd. That was great. That's that, that's proving why Arisa is the best. Is one of the best hosts. At least at least fourth best in the world. Because then you have because you have Emma and Davina and Grail. And we have a twist that we didn't even know about, but it was actually awesome. Cindy has to earn her safety this week. It's an escape the room challenge. It was pretty great. I mean, I'd probably like die because I hate logic puzzles. I hate doing them quickly, at least. I'd be like, I'd probably like starve death in there. My favorite thing is Arisa told her to go into the house quietly. And into the vault quietly. And then the vault opens the loudest <laughs> that it is physically possible to. <laughs> Are you sure it actually opened that loud or is it just sound effects they add in? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of the stuff that has to do with the vault and the nominations and all that are just sound effects that they add in post-production. I was going to say, there is no way in hell that anyone would actually hear that door open and not think someone's come back. It would have been better if they did sirens. Like, have Cindy go down, like, the first five steps and then just play the loudest siren possible just to freak her out. <laughs> that would have been better. Intruder alert. <laughs> Wire up the, um, the alarms in the, in the have not room to the entire house and have it for, like, the first step the first step of landing. So locked in one of the safety deposit boxes in the vault is protection for Cindy from being the replacement nominee this week. Uh, she has 30 minutes to open the vault and un- unveil her safety. If she fails, she'll have to spend the night alone in the vault and have nothing to save her this week but her charm. And she has to solve five logic puzzles to find five different safety deposit boxes with the five numbers to open the, the vault. And um, she does pretty well. We only see two of the clues. I'm pretty sure we see at least three of them. There's the first one, which is the um, calculating the, the palindrome number. The, the fourth one, I think, is the fourth one where you have to calculate the number of the number on a row, on an entire row. And then there's the last one, which is eight kilometers away from the first one. Do you think they put in that last one just because they thought, oh, the probably going to be quite short on time. Let's just make it an easy one on the last one. They probably whoever wanted was going to be in the vault doing that puzzle to try and to. Or not so much try, but to pretty much just hand them safety for the week. But I do give them credit, though. A couple of the puzzles were pretty uh, difficult, especially if you're the type of person that panics with uh, time constraint. At least they didn't it make it better. 5 plus Sorry. 5 or anything. It works better for the show if the person comes back in with safety, though. Yeah, but at least they didn't just hand them safety. At least they made her earn her ugly, ugly necklace. I know I've been a bit hard on production with shoehorning the theme in. But that necklace is god-awful. Maybe you just don't appreciate steampunk, Michael. Maybe you're the problem. Uh, Yeah. I appreciate steampunk, but... It doesn't seem like you do. You've been saying all the things to do with the theme this year. I haven't. What about the veto box? The veto box is very pretty. So the house is reeling... Uh, Bruno does an impression of Greg's pose over his eyes, and Kevin does his Eliza-style mouth drop. And uh, Cindy does win her safety for the week with the code 50867. And the uh, Simpsons quote, she is smart, S-M-R-T, with an S. 
So, before the Power of Veto, Peely seems to be the person most excited by Ashley's selection for playing in the Power of Veto. And also we see a lot of mouth-kissing between Sarah and uh, other people this week. Between Sarah and Willow and Sarah and Cindy before the Power of Veto is played. And now the Power of Veto composition. This composition is called Ant Maze. Upon the air horns sounding, Houseguest must enter a giant maze and dig six food items out of holes that are hidden in the maze. Once they have all six, they must make their way to the exit and lock in their time. The fastest time wins Power of Veto. A competition so amazing that if you're a true super fan of this show, that flying out to Toronto and doing this challenge is a long dream finally come true. I like how awkward those superfans looked <laughs> in their uh, ant costumes. <laughs> it's like it was a punishment. It's like they were secretly have-nots, and there was a, another group of superfans flown out to Toronto, and they won a prize to not do the ant maze and be shown on TV doing it. <laughs> they got to. They got to. The the winners got to wine and dine with the producers and learn about the the fascinating world of reality television production. And the losers got to crawl around in an ant maze. <laughs> that was easily the most awkward scene I think I've seen in Big Brother Canada in quite some time with the way it was edited. All three years of the show, I flew out to Big Brother Canada and all I got was this lousy unitard. It would be cool to check out that maze, but, like, not get broadcast or go on TV like that. This is one of the cooler builds that they've had this season, at least. Oh, yeah, the maze was pretty sweet itself, and and the fact that it was actually meant something with the power of veto this week. Oh, yeah, those super fans, I don't know why, why they threw themselves into that. This is the sort of idea that they should keep bringing back this composition, because I like this idea. I was amazed how disoriented they all got, because it didn't seem like it was that big of a maze. But once they entered through and with just the, I guess the design of it, if anything, just made it feel like they were just going in circles. Well, that was the point of having the flashing lights, I think, as well, to sort of disorient them. But also those those tunnels were pretty narrow, so they all will probably look the same. I can imagine how it's disorienting, but I would kill that composition. I'd love a go at it. I love how Ashley and Peely, who have been very under-edited and really haven't had much agency in terms of just only being shown in showmances... That both were saying, we're going to prove that we can do something and win this veto. And then Ashley gets the distinction of having probably the worst time that somebody could have in this challenge. And then Peely supposedly not doing all that, all that great either. Even she even admitted herself that she probably got a pretty slow time. So once again, Ashley and Peely are pretty much stuck in the bottom in terms of uh, receiving credit for their performance so far this season. Yeah, if you consider that Ashley's time was nearly ten times as long as Zach's was. What was she doing? I have no idea. Jordan was sleeping for a good chunk of the challenge. And he still didn't lose. She lost to Jordan's excessive hubris. Also, who would Peely have used it on? Would Peely have actually used it on Jordan or not? I don't know, I don't that's a tough one. From the looks of things, it looked like the Diaper Alliance was pretty involved in, Zach, in Zach's plan to get rid of Godfrey, so I don't think... It's possible that that, that she probably w- would have used the um, power of Vero to get rid of, like, to save Jordan and get rid of, like, and, like, I don't know, force, maybe force Zach to put up Bruno or Bobby. That's possible, but more than likely she probably wouldn't have used it. Also, um, because in this sort of competition they've got to sequester them in different rooms, how long were they sequestering them between takes? Because if Ashley was taking nearly 45 minutes... 
that means that they probably had to sequester everyone for like 45 minutes. That is a long conversation. If only Ashley went last instead of pretty much any other position during the challenge. Yeah, in, in that case she would have known um, that she was long last though, wouldn't she? They probably have an upper limit of like an hour and then they have to sequester them for the entire hour. So nobody could go outside for the whole day if there's six of them. Yeah, pretty much, and no one would have been able to go to the hot tub or anything with the other smoking area. I do like with Jordan, though, that he did indirectly reference Survivor by saying that he just wants to sit at a desk and type all day and leave everything else to the blue-collar people. Jeff Probst would have been very happy with uh, with that promotion. Jordan is wrong! That's how you do it, blue-collar style. So Jordan is not a fan of America. He's a fan of Surrey. A bit, a bit of a step definitely. down from America, but still a step. So if it would have taken like at least an upward of six hours for them to complete the video competition, I'm guessing that you know there would be quite quite a few cranky, cranky smokers in there. Also, I could not take Godfrey's opinion seriously when he was talking about the competition in the diary room with those deeply buffers on his head. No, it's pretty tough to uh, be all. I'm going to really smash this competition. I'm totally going to win this veto. It's all me, and then you're you're in that little uh, outfit there with the antenna on top of your head. Also, I didn't realise this, but Sarah's actually a lot more clued up than we thought, because she actually said she'd heard Zack is just going to go after Godfrey and wants to convince him to make a power move. Yeah, I was surprised that she was in on that too. So, not sure how she discovered that information, or if she just guessed based on Zack being withdrawn from conversations all day. Who knows? Well, if, if, that's, if that's a goal that Zack needed, and... He found someone who wanted the common goal that he had. Well, that's an alliance right there. Even if it's just for a vote, like as we'll find out in the in the rest of the episode. And Sarah was uh, wondering how big is this thing, and she was also tuning into her aunt, Tenai. Terrible pun. Yeah, we all love a terrible pun. I do find it hilarious with Godfrey going to the maze that while looking for the exit, he ends up at the starting line. I'm ends up at the top of the tower. I'm guessing he goes there to like get his like get his bearings. From the description that we saw at the start of the episode, it did sound like they needed to make their way to the start line again because they didn't actually mention anything about the exit until Ashley was going to the exit. It did say that they had to make their way back to the entrance. And Zach was the last one up. He doesn't want the power in anyone else's hands. Poor Cindy. She was so excited about hosting the competition, and then she just got to appear for the recap of the time dressed as a bunch of grapes. And she didn't even get to recap all six times per uh, veto tradition. She only just got to announce the two times, and that was it for her hosting duties. I think she did, but they cut it out for time. I'm no expert in body language and communication and lang- and like sociology and stuff like that, but I'm guessing that Cindy was being a little bit sarcastic with her enthusiasm towards hosting the competition. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Like it was, it was just so subtle of her. So uh, Ashley is the slowest person with a time of forty-two minutes fifty-seven seconds, and it's her squeeze, as she described him, uh, Zach, who wins the veto with a time of four minutes twenty-seven. And then he touches Cindy's grapes. How inappropriate of him! You're squeezing my grapes right now. I do like how Ashley could have filled an entire Big Brother Canada episode of her just doing the maze. <laughs> And it'd probably actually be longer than some Big Brother Canada episodes. They'd have to cut out the previously on segment to fit it in there. It would cut off the PVR with 10 seconds to go. How would we survive without the terrible puns in the previously section? We wouldn't. We'd all perish. So uh, 
Zack decides that he doesn't want to veto Jordan, as he still wants to ride the middle of the house. This is where it all falls apart for Zack, really. And oh, I love that Zack won veto. Zack winning veto makes this all the more delicious, even after he activated uh, beast mode to uh, win the veto in the first place. This is like this is like a very subtle but still evident power trip. Like when you think of like when you think of over the top, over the top head of household power trips, you think of like Helen from Big Brother 15 or Dustin from Big Brother 8. You don't necessarily think of people who like like Zach who like you know just got so assured with themselves that everything would go to plan and that nothing could go wrong and that they they overthink everything to the point that you kind of overlook the fact that you're putting your supposed number one ally on the block in potential danger or because he's a, quote, pawn, unquote. Like, even if you are the most self-assured person in the world, the best gamer, in you, even, in your, even in your own head, the best gamer, you don't put... A, you, you take potential allies away from danger if you, if you can. You don't leave them there in the fire. Up until this point... Zach wasn't doing terribly as HOH. Yeah, putting Jordan up was a bad idea, but if he honestly believed that it would take the heat off him and Jordan, it's not a bad idea. Not using the veto on Jordan is a stupid idea if he is your alliance. Not so much being his alliance, it's his final two alliance since the very, very first day. That is ridiculous to... Even in Survivor or pretty much any other reality TV program... Your number one ally is the only person that you absolutely do not target or get rid of under any circumstance unless they have betrayed you. And Jordan had done absolutely nothing to make Zach question that. And now he's gone. (laughs) So, in an effort to survive, Jordan then goes to Kevin. Yay, we finally see Kevin this week. I've completely washed my hands of Kevin, by the way. Like, Like, you know, I've had that sort of ironic thing appreciation for him because I thought he was getting mocked in the first week. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I thought it was good, but then, like, the moment he turned on Johnny, that was, that was it for me. You didn't join us last week, did you? So, uh, we haven't got your opinions on Kevin turning on Johnny yet. Oh, no, I was, I, like, I've, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but I did become, a, I did become a huge fan of Johnny by the end of his days because, you know, there are three crucial things that, like, encompass my opinion of a, of a, of a character on mostly any reality show. Number one is who who they are, like their character, their you know their concept as a character. Number two is what they do, and number three is pe- the people and the people they interact with. Now, if um if one aspect of that is so good and so you know I guess I'll use the word righteous in a way that it can overlap the other two, I can figure the character for that. Like Johnny being a member of the Fembots was that for me, where he, even though I wasn't a fan of his character, I wasn't a fan of him reducing himself to the act of, like, fawning over a straight guy and, call, and like, oh, my Kevy Webby, I wasn't a fan of that, but, like, what I was a fan of was him being, like, the erstwhile ally of Sarah and Brittany, being an honorary front bot, and that sort of overrode that for me, and plus the whole tragic spin he got in his last episode, where his last episode's when, where he considered his closest ally just basically sold him up the river. So, um, Kevin finally finds out about the uh, chop shop. You know what's great about that is that right after that, Cindy lets Sarah in on the secret of the chop shop, and then one has to wonder, who doesn't know about the chop shop at this point? Really? 
Yeah, probably Peely. <laughs> Peely and Ashley. Peely's just sort of sat in the corner, completely clueless about anything that's happening. And Kevin describes the Chop Shop as the five worst players in the game. Oh, lovely. Uh, more inspiration from Peter Brown here. These people are idiots for not doing what I want. These people are idiots for outplaying me. They're the worst players ever. Then we start getting the weird segments. Like Ashley, Brittany and Cindy making the have-not room a have-fun room and setting off the sirens and lights and, you know, pretending to be a strip club. Well, well you know, is that Canada's first red, red light district? Where did Sarah's credit card go? I didn't know she was allowed to bring that into the house. So is Willow a lesbian or not? I think she's questioning. We need to hear more about this on the show because, like, we went the entire week without hearing a confessional from her. And, like, apparently she's questioning her sexuality and we have no idea about this. And according to, I can't, I think it was Bruno I said at the start of the league she's going insane or something. I want to I want to say that. You mean more insane than already? I don't know what she is already. We never see her. Apart from when she's, you know, getting electric shock. Electric shock therapy uh, can really do some things to you, apparently. Yeah, also excited about hosting competitions and that sort of thing. Well, it's not even close to what we're getting from, like, Kevin and we, like, it is pretty strange we'd know more, we'd know, we'd know like slightly more about Willow than we do about Kevin, and he's got like a hundred more confessionals than her. So Cindy and Sarah decide that they're going to close the chop shop. Yeah, shut it down. Hooray! Because they suck. And then Godfrey tries his Hail Mary of throwing Bobby and Bruno under the bus and trying to get them as replacements. In other Fair words, call. the plan that they already had, that uh, Zach and Jordan already had in the first place. Don't worry, guys. This is all part of Paul's master plan. <laughs> the best thing is, this still does not work. They still just stick to the plan, guys. Stick to the plan. And Zach does not use it. What was with that outfit of his at the veto ceremony? Where did the golfing outfit come from? Did we miss a Sunday reward? I was half expecting him to sell me a newspaper. <laughs> I, I simply have written down, why is Zach dressed like a grandfather? <laughs> He's re- he is really getting arrogant there. Just coming in, dressing up in fancy outfits for uh, ceremonies. Alright, so I may, I've, I've announced what I'm doing with my veto kids. I'm going to go out golfing. All of you behave while I'm gone for the next six hours. <laughs> I very much love that we all have something written down about Zach's outfit, and we all have something different written down about Zach's outfit. I mean, crazy outfits have always been a part of Big Brother, but usually they have that crazy outfit because of a punishment or for a challenge or something that went on during the week for fun. But his isn't even so much... His isn't even so much crazy. It's just like, why the golfing outfit? What? What? what, what how am I supposed to react to that? Yeah, or just Arlie shaving uh, half his head or... An A into his chest hair, that sort of thing. Yeah, but that's for attention. What? Arlie did things for attention? This is the first time I'm hearing this. This is brand new information. Okay, baby. So, (laughs) Jordan does his best Tom Plant impression to uh, try and convince Zach to use the veto. Yeah, and that is really indicative of his character. If he's looking at a Tom Plant for anything in life. And Godfrey Bro appeals for Zach not to use the veto on him and blows up Zach's game. And says, I'm coming for you. And then everything goes fun. Fun, 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 fun. I want your blood on these hands. Look, Bobby, that's how you get blood on your hands. <laughs> Using your closest ally as a pawn? Never a good idea, bro. There have been some epic, like, huge vote turnarounds that have been really close before. Has there ever been one like that close to the Y and that close a vote? 
like I'm thinking like um Nick in Big Brother 15 how like that extra day because because of the schedule change like he was they'll give him an extra day and the entire vote hinged on Jesse and she managed to do it and she like got Nick out of the house one of the biggest blindsides of the season in a season pretty chuckle block with blindsides but this is like you know the, the first one and like I'm pretty sure was did Jordan expect that at all no the SSB submarine are formed. I wasn't aware that Britney, Sarah, and Cindy played Smash Bros. <laughs> the Super Smash Brothers Submarine Alliance? Yeah, fact. We'll have to add them on our Nintendo Wii U's uh, once they're out of the house. I mean, Cindy did say that she's lazy, so maybe that's what she does all day. She just plays Super Smash Brothers at home. People own Wii U's? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're outnumbered here, Ben. <laughs> Logan and I both own Wii U's and both play Mario Kart against each other, so... Oh, so those were the two sales? Yeah. I pretty much got mine close to launch. And I got mine on launch. Ooh. <laughs> Boom headshot. <laughs> cool, I got, a, I got a PS3 and, like, the rest of the world. No one got a PS3, Ben. I have a PS3. Yeah, no one good got a PS3. You're outnumbered, Michael. <laughs> Damn it. I'm always in the majority. I'm a, I'm a good uh, Big Brother Canada player. Never end up on the wrong side of the vote. See, guys, you should have cast Logan. Mainly so Ben and I could take the piss out of him. I wouldn't take the piss out of him, because I'm not that kind of person. You're not Will. We had this conversation on, uh, I think it was the Amazing Race one when you weren't here, but I just want Logan to be cast for one of these shows so we can be mean about him and he can't fight back. You know what would be, you know what I think See, is gonna would... happen if I end up on Big Brother or Amazing Race or Survivor Can if that happens eventually? Is that every, like, reality TV alumni that I have made fun of over the past five or six years in blogs or podcasting are all going to start their own blog or podcast, and it's just going to be hundreds of podcasts and blogs just making fun of Logan Saunders on the reality show. I'm pretty much certain that's going to happen. You know what I'd do, Logan? I'd get those people as your replacements. On the show? It's just a long list. It's just, it wraps around, like, a neighborhood or something. Just people that are waiting to bash me when I finally go on one of these shows and be like, oh, oh, oh Logan's an idiot for pulling this move. I would find some of the more fun people that you've taken the piss out of and try and get them as guest hosts. <laughs> you can't even drive a stick! <laughs> because I'm a horrible person and that would be hilarious. So, enough about me. How about this little Big Brother Canada business here? Bobby really didn't understand the plan when it was brought to him as well. I think he understood the plan. He just didn't want to... He just didn't want to get, you know, once again... Someone finish a form. He didn't want to get blood on his hands. There we go. What I loved about it is that not only was it the second time that Candice had been used for a strategy session, but also that Bruno's like, I'm going to have to set Bobby down and provide a visual aid with these candies to I tell actually, him what is going on. I was actually becoming... Even though, you know, he was the head of house or the got rid of Johnny last week, I'm actually, like, sort of partial to him this week. If only because he was like he's he was part of the you know the entire thing that enabled this glorious glorious downfall and and you know basically the you know crux of the entire week basically I said basically a lot just then didn't I Yes What Bruno did is he sat Bobby down and went four into nine is no bueno five into nine is good <laughs> But what if those four aren't really there But what if those are seven When Bruno said what if those four aren't there he just you know, at those candies. And just if Bobby ate a candy, he's like, "Oh, you mean you mean we we can't eat this? <laughs> I'm not stoked about this, bro." And then we get the weirdest segment of the week, the four twenty one. Oh, do you think Peely is always high? Just with the when they cut to her just laughing in the diary room for no reason. Is that is that what's happening? She's just been 
she's just permanently on dope for the past 30 days or so and no one has noticed they just think that's her personality well mexico isn't exactly not known for its drug cartels <laughs> i don't know how to follow up on that uh, before the additional task the funniest part for me was the conversation between Zach and Jordan in the backyard near the start of the episode, which is probably more foreshadowing than anything else that happened with with them in the backyard and Zach saying, you know what, funniest thing is that the smartest move would be for them to send you home, Jordan. If they were playing without these emotions, which it's a good thing that they are playing with emotions because we brainwash them, but if they were somewhat intelligent and didn't have emotions... They would know the smart move would be to take advantage of my stupid decision and evict you this week. But they're so stupid and and too emotional that they won't do it. Imagine if that happened. <laughs> they even had an evil laugh afterwards. That was. Yeah. It's like we can't write myself, but if you like laughed out of any serious like fictional proceeding, like you can't. But them actually having an evil laugh after that discussion. That's like cherry on top of the world's most gigantic, delicious, sugar-filled ice cream banana split sundae with whipped cream and cherry on top. And strawberries. They completely buried Newport, and it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. And here's another... I do, like, I do like that Jordan did have a reaction at the start of the conversation that made him look uneasy and said, hmm, I wonder why it is that I'm on the block right before eviction in the first place, Zach. If only there was somebody in our alliance who could have taken me off the block. So, should we get onto the additional task? Yes. Which was? This should be very familiar to Ben. It's a rip-off of The White Room, which has appeared originally in Big Brother Australia and also reappeared in Big Brother UK, leading to one of the most uncomfortable moments on British television. Oh, yeah. Well, before we start, can we just, like, can we explain the, um... Should we explain what happened in the UK version to Logan? You can start with the Big Brother Australia version, because you know more about that one than I do. In 2007, the Big Brother Australia had this thing called the White Room where they got four people and put them in a completely white room with white clothing, white everything, white beds, white... White people? No, actually, there was Papua New Guinea, but there was Papua New Guinea in there. Oh, okay. Oh, and then uh, um, a Persian. They were four contestants who, much like the War Room for Big Brother Canada 2, they got to compete for a chance to enter the Big Brother house. Much like the money offer, there was a money offer for someone to just take a bribe and leave, but I think the person who took it, they got $750. That's a month's rent. And meanwhile, the, um, since uh, no one else volunteered to leave, they actually ran a set of challenges, and um, the second person evicted from the, the white room was, was evicted by a vote, and then the third person evicted was just chosen by the house, and then the last person remaining actually got to join the house. So it's a little like the war room. Now, Michael, do you want to explain the, what happened in the UK one? Uh, in the UK one, because it's all public vote, and because they nominate each week, they took the three people who had the least number of nominations throughout the series in the penultimate week and stuck them in a white room, put them in white clothes, having to eat white food and... Marshmallows! Living in an entirely white place and um, then got someone to volunteer to leave after about a day or two and then put the final two face-to-face with buttons in the middle of them and put on the screen... Prize money totting up, up to £50,000, which is half of the prize fund, and said, if you hit this button, you will take that money out of the prize fund, you will leave the house right now. 
and the other person will get a pass straight through to the finale. And uh, it caused a little bit of controversy because they left it to top up to £50,000. If no one hit the button, they both got immunity. They left it to top up to £50,000, and right at the last second, uh, Ben's favourite person in the entire season hit the button. <laughs> That's such a jerk move. <laughs> Oh, cool. Michael, can you can I like use like um or Ben's favorite person? Because like I don't think any decent thinking person had this person as a favorite person. Anyone ever like except for like teenage girls who somehow got, got a hold of a phone. This is a guy who threatened like very vulgar, very awful physical violence upon a person because I don't even know why. Why do they, Michael? Why is this person such an asshole? Because it's Big Brother UK. They also made the white room take part in the weekly task where it was the normal house trying to win a budget versus the white room trying to win uh, luxuries. But without knowing any of these people, it, it just comes off as an, a, of a huge trolling move to just take the money away from the grand prize up to, or half the grand prize money and then just leave. Oh yeah, one, one of the key things about Big Brother UK is Big Brother's like a, you know, a, basically a, a character within itself because it's like the you know, it, t- it speaks to contestants and they're in the, di- in the diary room and stuff. And one of the things is it builds up a slow trust with the players, like a little, like sort of a safety net thing. And then it just sort of crushes it slowly and painfully. Like that time in 2004 when it, when they actually like, um, they fought, they like took away this, this contestant's cigarettes and forced, like forced her to do all these tasks and earn them back. My favorite one, talking about prize money, is when they, um, put Eugene in the diary room and said, here's a, a briefcase with half of the prize fund in it. Do you want to take it and get guaranteed money? And uh, that was the thing that stopped him winning. Because the, the thing about the British public is that we don't particularly like people who take bribes. You don't particularly like non-white people either. Or women. Or aggressive women. Or Polish people. Basically, we're complete arseholes. But like it's it's more like a underlying thing, kind of like kind of like Australia's like sub racism subtext. But there's like less of a subtext. But like over in America, you know, the racism is all like rah rah, you know, Ku Klux Klan, people, uh, cops shooting people, etc. But here in here, it's also it's sort of like a subtle like a subtle subtextual societal thing instead of just like outright stuff. The um, the Eugene thing, by the way, he. Uh, two days before the finale, he was given the choice to take £50,000 and leave the winner with the same amount, or double the prize money. Which, you know, is a massive, horrible move from Big Brother. Nicole didn't win, so who cares? He was gi- given the choice between leaving the winner with £50,000 or leaving the winner with two hundred grand. Yeah, I don't even care how much money they got. It's like the worst final two in Big Brother history, so... Even worse than Cameron? Well, Cameron had Ray there, who wasn't that bad. Like, even final twos, which, which were, like, almost completely reviled, like, you know, um... What's his face? Oh, yeah, Jay and Aaron. Like, Jay at least had that final few weeks where he was, like, calling Aaron out on all his stupid shit. So, which is, like, sort of, you know, a, a choir of angels descending from descending from an outer plane and, like, gifting, the, gifting this into, onto the world. So, yeah, that sort of thing. So, in this additional task, uh, Bobby and Cindy, who were chosen by the house, have to head straight to the vault, which has been furnished with beds and two buttons. A 24-hour timer then starts counting down. After 24 hours, uh, Arissa comes on the screen and offers one of them 10 grand to hit the button and self-evict. If they take the money, it'll come out of the prize fund. If not, then nothing happens. Which is pretty much what I would expect to happen, that uh, neither would press the buzzer, because there's still 12 people left. Neither of them feel down and out, particularly at the moment, so... 
and it was only ten grand, so who cares? I'm assuming the reason they did this is to try and avoid having to do three double evictions in four weeks. I think that they're going to return to this twist later on and make it a twistos twist and probably have a substantial more amount of money, but perhaps not take it out of the grand prize winnings. What they might do is do the ticking timer. They might have it like tick up to about 25 grand. Or, or maybe have Canada vote on who they want to go into the vault. And they stay there. <laughs> yeah, fights to the death. Um, poor Bobby as well, he went in there without a shirt. Uh, Cindy had those abs all to herself for 24 hours. And Godfrey hoped that they uh, gave them a bucket of chicken, and us too. They, they were really screwed over in terms of strategy there to just lose a whole day to potential scrambling. Before that twist happened, though, I did find it amusing the running joke they had between Cindy and Kevin whenever uh, Cindy, Brittany, and Sarah want to have a conversation where Cindy checked the blue room and waited for Kevin to leave before they talked, and then this time she actually checked the bathroom to make sure Kevin wasn't in there. So it's going to be this whole running joke that Cindy's just going to be paranoid that Kevin is somehow bugged the room. At least she learned from a mistake. Yes, it would have been much worse if the same thing happened again if, say, Kevin was vomiting in the bathroom this time and he came out. <laughs> Good talk, guys. Jordan was the other selection for who to go in. What would have happened if he would have gone in and taken the money? I don't think he would have. They would have had to probably cancel the eviction and it would have been hilarious. Zach, you must put up a replacement nominee. Um, I already put up my number one ally. Am I going to have to put up myself then? Is that the wise move? There's Because there's no way they would have voted to evict me. That would have been evil if they would have made him put up another nominee. <laughs> and we get all the showman stuff during this section as well, so apparently we have Sarah and Willow and Bobby and Brittany as well as showmances. So it's just as interesting as every other romance in the history, so not at all. But at least it's not as cliched as Kevin and Peely making out in the rain. <laughs> And Cindy and Bobby are both alive, unfortunately, according to Kevin. Neither of the White Room contestants take the ten grand, and it's everything is still to play for. Yay, everybody wins, except Jordan, very shortly. <laughs> except Cindy, who had to spend her birthday in the vault. Yeah, well, that was probably the most evil thing of all. The whole 24 hours. What'd you do for your 30th birthday? I don't know, I spent it in a vault <laughs> with nothing to do. That's probably why they selected uh, Cindy as well, which is even funnier. So, as a sort of reward for being in the vault on her birthday, Cindy gets to teach everyone how to be a pageant girl. Godfrey nailed it. <laughs> Sarah nailed it with her quote. Thank you, Cindy, because I don't wear underwear, this tip will come in handy. Yes, with crossing the legs. And these answers are ridiculous until Sarah comes up and talks about her pound of marijuana. Yes. Well, which one thing would you bring to a desert island? Drugs. <laughs> well, if it was Panama, she could just wait for the break of cocaine to wash up on shore. Yeah, Survivor Exile Island right there. Survivor Exile Island behind-the-scenes story there. Everybody has heard. Yeah, Jordan also proposes being in a showman with Cindy called JP with an S. And it's, 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 gonna, it's obviously going to be the, it's obviously going to be the most like longest and most fruitful showman Cindy history, right? About that. So the eviction we get. Some uh, fun Zach bashing from Godfrey. It was quite the motivational speech. Are you guys ready to make a big move on the sleeping giant? I'm gonna <laughs> ready to do some work. <laughs> and Jordan mocks Godfrey. And finally, Arissa mocks Kevin. For the third week on the trot, Kevin gets shot down by Arissa Cox. 
and I kind of love it. How's the Golden Goddess tonight, as always? Please enter your votes. Please vote to Vix. Arissa's exact reaction to How's the Golden Goddess tonight this week was just, hmm. Life's good. I love this recurring joke that Kevin sits down, floats with Arissa, and she just goes, nah, sod this. Please vote to Vix. So, um, Brittany and Peely decide to strut, and then Brittany and Sarah salute each other. Willow calls Arissa AC again, and in a shocking turn of events, it all comes down to Bobby, because Kevin, Peely, Willow, and Ashley all vote to Vic Godfrey, and Brittany, Sarah, Bruno, and Cindy all vote to Vic Jordan. I love how they edited out, out like, who's, because I guess in the live feeds they had the discussion of who are all virgins in the Big Brother Canada house, and then this is the one time they can't edit out because Bobby says it on live television, and just outs Jordan by saying, oh, it's time for the virgin excursion to go. <laughs> Bobby told someone that he was a virgin. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Cindy, actually. Yeah, because there was a whole discussion on live feeds where they said it was, like, Bobby, uh, Ashley, well, maybe Ashley not anymore, and then Jordan were the three. Yeah, Bobby definitely isn't, though. That's the thing. Bobby was just taking the piss. Oh. Well, that's just weird. I think it might have been Cindy, actually, because he really upset someone. But Bobby's vote means that the version it scores in Jordan is evicted by a vote of 5-4. to four. Yay! And really, really didn't know about it. And it's kind of hilarious. I think Godfrey had the most over-the-top celebration for somebody being saved by eviction. Just jumps up and starts pumping his fist and, st- and is already tearing into Zach Ray to just take over the whole game. I love the when uh, Arissa said, by a vote of 5-4, to four, Jordan was like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that Godfrey, you get evicted by such a, a close amount. And then Arissa says, Godfrey, you are safe. And he's just like, what? And it was a really long pause, too. It was a good tip five seconds or so that Arissa waited after saying Godfrey's name. If you think that's a long pause, you should see the X Factor results. Well... But I, I don't I don't care for talent shows, so... Britain is great for this sort of thing, but the final results of any talent show, especially X Factor in the UK, they will leave it like 15, 20 seconds of silence and just sort of heartbeat music before announcing the winner. Sorry, was that X Factor? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it appears we have a, we appears we have a doppelganger in our midst. Oh, Natalia kills. Good, music, good musician, but kind of an arsehole. But an awful person. So, the HOH competition... Is called Student Film Festival. A group of local students has sent in a series of films depicting previous competitions, apparently, in the game. And definitely not the producers doing this. Uh, the first house guest to buzz in can name the competition. If they are correct, they get to eliminate someone else from the game. If they are wrong, it is them who is eliminated. The last person standing is the new head of household. And Bobby gets a complete wild guess. Like, this, there's a mini-game in Mario Party 6 where... They have the spinning trophy thing, but they slow it down the longer that the timer goes so you can figure out which character the trophy represents. But in this one, it's like Bobby pressed it two seconds before, after the, like, the picture hadn't even started slowing down at all yet or clearing up. There's no way you can tell what that picture was supposed to be for a good 20 seconds. So you just had to keep waiting and waiting for the picture to get clear just to verify Bobby's answer. Do you think that Bobby was trying to throw it? Oh, definitely. 
Bobby tries to throw it, gets it right, and then eliminates Cindy from the uh, A2H. Second time he gets to a victor from an event during the season. So much for that temporary alliance, considering it was Bruno, Bobby, Sarah, Brittany, and uh, Cindy. Yeah, that five. Such a random five to come together, and then as soon as HOH happens, that temporary alliance is dissolved. So, Ben, I know you know the nominees, so you'll know the HOH as well. Do you know the HOH, Logan? No, I know nothing. I know nothing. Nothing. Logan, who do you think is going to be the HOH? I think it'll... It's, a real, it's always a toss-up when it's not in, when it's an endurance competition. You can always tell who's going to be HOH. But in this case, it's always uh, up for grabs since it's a random mental task where one mistake and you're out. So, I don't know. Let's, let's, go, with, uh, let's go with Willow. Willow's going to be HOH. And she's going to nominate uh, maybe Bobby and Bruno. I don't know. I'm going to say Kevin is HOH because he stumbled upon a win on the last competition of this type. And Brittany and Cindy are the nominees. I don't know. What makes this uh, Jordan's eviction this much more hilarious is that this was the very first week that he or Zach were trying to win any competitions. And Zach happens to win the two back-to-back he could not have timed it any worse for himself, too. Just to completely screw over Jordan as much as he possibly could. And also, the fact that Jordan is the first member of the jury already. And that's a scary thing, because that's 12th place going off to the jury, which means we could have... We, we're probably not going to have a jury of 10 with a final two, but a jury of 9 with a final three is a very familiar survivor pattern. So the possibility of a final three just absolutely uh, terrifies me. I'm suspecting it's going to be a final two with a jury of ten plus Canada. That's also a good possibility. Because last season we had a jury of six plus Canada. Mm-hmm. Which was good because it meant Kenny wasn't on the jury. So who do we think is going to be evicted this week? Cindy. Cindy. I hate to say it, but I think Cindy as well. I'd like it to be anyone but Cindy because Cindy brought her A-game this week. This week would not have been as fun without Cindy, I don't think. Yeah, with between Cindy and how fluid Bruno is in terms of the game, with just Bruno being able to just work with anybody and catch on when when bonds are shifting, really made well, really helped flip Bobby's uh, vote as well. And then you have Jordan and Zach just completely imploding when they pretty much had a good chunk of the game in their hands, especially when they had four allies backing them up. So. If they were to survive this week, Zach and Jordan probably could have ridden this game to the end. And they just screwed it up at the last possible moment. I'm going to hope that Zach will be evicted just because I want to see Peter Brown's reaction to him. Yeah, that's a, that's a conversation where I don't really want to listen to uh, either of them, to be quite honest. Regardless of when Zach is evicted, the sideshow is going to be hilarious that week. Just because I just... Did you see on Alec's Twitter feed, Twi- Alec, of course, being the part of the shield from Big Brother Canada 1, that as soon as uh, Zach didn't use the veto, that uh, Alec quoted what Zach said to Peter on Twitter a couple of years ago. What was Zach's quote to Peter on Twitter? Wasn't it something like, oh, you know, you're a real coward for not making the big moves. Why wouldn't you do that? You're an idiot. Go home and cry yourself at, 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 uh, to sleep or something like that. I think that the, it's the part one was that, then part two was like, go home and cry on your salad, pussy. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think he called him a pussy at some point. Yeah, and then Al and then Alec quotes the same thing, except he just replaces it with Zach's name, and then follows it up with another tweet saying, "Oh, just kidding. Only a 
a crazy online troll would say that. So there's uh, that's going to be an interesting thing to happen after the show is over. I I only really want Zach to like place fourth or higher just to you know spite Peter Brown. I think that sideshow is going to be hilarious because Arisa's going to have to break it up. They must be aware of of the feud there going into the sideshow. They're going to have a close eye on it. If anything, they're both probably going to be taken aside beforehand and said, hey, let's not have the sideshow be about this. Because they were even... Because Arisa wouldn't even let uh, Risha and Peter fight it out too much on air. And that was pretty... Uh, that, that argument wasn't exactly uh, too intense. If we could just have Risha as the sort of referee between this match, it'd be even funnier. Peter, stop talking. Zach, keep going. So, who do we think finally is going to win? Willow. I'm sticking by Willow. my choice. Actually, really Willow or Bruno? Uh, what Alex said, by the way, he was, you're an awful BB player, had the chance to make a big move and crumbled like a bitch. Go back to your nothing life, Zach. Hashtag BB can three. Yeah, yeah, totally just kidding. Zach that's something either. only a creepy online tr- psycho troll would say. And then attaching a picture of said tweet. And then he did say, go go and eat a salad and cry about it. Hashtag pussy. See, the difference between that is that, that um, Zach can probably actually eat a salad without crying. Unlike someone. So, anything else to add about this glorious week of Big Brother Canada? I hope that mm-hmm. Godfrey doesn't go back into hibernation, because I love the character that's coming out now with just absolutely loving the idea of uh, knocking out Zack from this game. Do you think that um, that Godfrey will even need to use the ring that he brought with him to get Zack out of the house? Maybe he has been sleeping so much that he doesn't even know Bruno is already known to be married and he'll plant a ring in somebody else's bag. Be like, or uh, in Bruno's bag, they'd be like, oh crap, he's already wearing a ring. Why didn't I get to know these house guests just a bit more? Maybe he'll do it with Bobby and Brittany. Possibly. Or Kevin and Peely, actually. So thank you for listening to us. We'll be back next week for another recap episode of Yet and Cast. If you want to follow any of us on Twitter, the links are in the description down below. Also, you can join the three of us to recap Amazing Race 26's upcoming episode on Sunday. See you then. See ya. Bye.